1: Hello, and welcome to Soft Black Woman, presented by The Butches Up. I'm your host, Dr. Akilah Kiday. Each and every Friday on Soft Black Woman, we'll be talking about a range of topics from pop culture to politics to how we live our lives, all, of course, through the lens of intersectionality. If you missed my first episode, be sure to go back and listen to the wonderful conversation I had with Blair Amani about threads, the Supreme Court, and so many more great topics. Every week on Soft Black Women, I'll be joined by a different guest co-host who will share how they see Stories of the Week through their own lens of intersectionality. And this week, I'm very excited to introduce my guest and my friend. (laughs) She's the host of the podcast Freckle Foodie and Friends. She's a wellness insider and an incredible mom with another one on the way. Please welcome Cameron Rogers. Welcome, Cameron.
2: Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I'm honored, and I'm so proud of you.
1: Oh, thank you. I think we have to let listeners know that we are matching.
2: Yes, we are matching.
1: We are matching. Um, I am wearing Cameron's wonderful hoodie set. So it's so funny. I just have on the hoodie, and you started off with the, the sweatpants, and then we became one. I was like,
2: well, now I have to put the – it's so funny. I was actually going to put the hoodie on because I was in the sweats. And then I grabbed a different because mine has these weird yellow stains on it from God knows what. And then when I saw you in it, I just had to. So luckily, I keep it in my office closet ready to go. Big fan of it. Still
1: afraid to take it outside because it is white. Fair, But it is colorful and says this shit's hard because this shit's hard. You know, this shit's hard on so many levels, and we're going to talk about a lot of those things today. Okay, so what do you want people to know about you?
2: Oh, gosh. It's funny. Whenever people ask me my title, I guess, or how I introduce myself, it's something I've continuously tried to navigate over the past five years ever since leaving the corporate world and was something I really struggled with when I was considering leaving, because I was like, what will I tell people I do? I feel like you hit all of them. I say I'm a content creator, podcast host, mom, and mental health advocate, because that's really like what the content is focused on, mainly mental health, parenting, some food, but you hit it. Most importantly, friend of Dr. Kate. <laughs> I
1: I will add that to my bio, too. <laughs> friend <laughs> of Cameron Rogers, aka Freckle Foodie. Well, we're going to have a lot to talk about and obviously um, we'll get into mental health too. This shit's hard. Um, So we're going to talk about Kiki Palmer, Gabrielle Union, um, Shakari Richardson, but we really need to get into this new FDA announcement. I don't even know if you heard about it.
2: I did get a notification from the New York Times this morning about the FDA approving like a over-the-counter birth control pill. So I don't know everything, but I do know what happened this morning or late last night.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna do our first segment. It's called For the Culture. And this is the part of the show where we examine some of our top trending pop culture topics and headlines. And the first subject today, we already did a spoiler alert, is that FDA approved the first over-the-counter birth control pill. This happened on Thursday, It is a big deal. It's called, the company that um, is putting it out is called Opil. And I don't, I feel like a man may have come up with that topic. Potentially. (laughs) 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 What is it? It's (laughs) Opil. It's
2: it's, it's a pill, let's call it Opil. Let's call it Opil. Not a pill. Opil. Maybe it has something to do with like an orgasm pill. You never know. I mean, it's probably the
1: formula (laughs) of it. I I think in America, the way we name prescriptions is makes no sense whatsoever. It's like did you did I catch something you're telling me to take a disease because that's what it sounds like <laughs> Like it doesn't make any sense. but Opil is a mini pill that uses progestin which is a hormone. So for those of you who may not know um, birth control can have different types of hormones in it and at different levels. This is just again mini pill and one type. So for those with uteruses this is the pill where you could just take that additional week <laughs> so you wouldn't have your period while you're on vacation. Because it's a consistent um, type of pill.
2: And I guess what, so you don't need a prescription for this? No. Yeah. So today's approval marks the first
1: time uh, a non-prescription daily oral contraceptive will be available option for millions of people in the United States.
2: I mean, I'm for anything that helps people in today's world with their contraception because I know this was a topic, I don't know if we'll discuss it, but we had discussed it prior, the two of us, of all of the abortion bans that are being passed. And it's wild to me that this country is like, hey, you have to have a kid. We're going to make it difficult for you to be safe. And then if you get pregnant, we're forcing you to have said child. Mm -hmm. And then once you have the baby, we don't care about it. A wonderful example of that is Iowa. Yep. So Iowa
1: Republicans passed a six-week abortion ban. Uh, They really wanted to do it Um, about a month ago. They were deadlocked, but they doubled down. Governor Kim Reynolds, who is a Republican, said, I believe the pro-life movement is the most important human rights cause of our time. (laughs) I'm so sorry that I laughed at that because that is crap.
2: Well, it's not even pro-life. It's anti-choice. I hate that they have taken on this concept of pro-life and title, because if people were pro-life, they would care about the lives once they exit the vagina. They would have stricter guns, like reform policies. They would care about maternal health and postpartum and all of these things. And the six-week ban is wild to me, especially because A, most people don't even know they're pregnant by six weeks. And most of us don't even see a heartbeat at six weeks with a healthy, viable pregnancy. I know I didn't either time. So, yeah, I just, I will never understand.
1: And this is coming from me currently, hashtag current situation, <laughs> pregnant person right now.
2: <laughs> I never became more pro-choice until I became a mom. Yeah. Because I realized really how much of an undertaking pregnancy Postpartum and motherhood is. And if it's not something that you are fully committed to or signed up for, you should not be forced into doing it.
1: Oh, no, absolutely not. I, uh, Governor Reynolds, doubled down and said the voices of Iowans and their democratically elected representatives cannot be ignored any longer. And justice for the unborn should not be delayed. Now, here's the thing we have this in the same week of. Opel, (laughs) coming out into the market. I shouldn't laugh. It's so happy it's there. I'm so happy it's available. But we are at a time where it's becoming harder and harder for reproductive health care, access, and the rights that we should have. The number is we're in this position where 45% of women... Experience at least one barrier to reproductive health care services in 2021. That's up 10% from 2017. And we know that a lot of that is because America sucks. We're seeing what's happening within our country, we're seeing what's happening within states. That's making it harder and harder um, for birthing people to get reproductive care that they need. But Cam, you mentioned, you just mentioned mental health and pregnancy. Mm-hmm and you were very public about your mental health while pregnant, postpartum. Do you wanna tell the listeners about your experience and and how this is, why it's important that we have reproductive choices?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I've historically always been an anxious person and my first pregnancy was a surprise pregnancy. And with that, I went into it having just gone off my anxiety medication, trying to navigate a switch to a potential new medicine. So I was raw dogging my anxiety, as I call it. Um, there There was no medicine in my system. And I had a really anxious few weeks during that first trimester where my brain was spiraling, could not sleep, I felt like I was trying to crawl out of my own skin and eventually saw a psychiatrist, got on a new prescription that for me, I believe is the reason I was able to then have a healthy and viable pregnancy because it's even more confusing when you're pregnant. The doctors are always like, okay, so you can't do majority of the things that helped with your anxiety, such as cannabis or certain medications or whatever. But they're like, but don't be anxious because if you're anxious, it can affect the embryo. And I'm like, okay, well, now what do I do? So my first pregnancy was very anxiety inducing for me. And I had always been aware of postpartum depression and keeping my eyes peeled for certain signs and having conversations going into the postpartum period surrounding it with my doctors and my husband. And I struggled with intrusive thoughts pretty much right away after having our son. And that looked like just thinking and visualizing really horrific things that I felt so much shame over because I thought I was losing my mind and I was terrified that I would do these said things that I was seeing and feeling. And I eventually got a grasp on that. But when I tried to return to the outside world, as I call it, around month like three postpartum when I started Mm -hmm. going back to work and seeing people and navigating this new world for me of I'm a mom, but I'm still existing in other parts of my life before having a kid. I became pretty depressed and um, sought out a lot of help, took time off of work, really focused on my mental health and got to a place where I was eventually happy again and felt like myself again. But I was very adamant about sharing that experience because from what I had seen around postpartum depression, it was this feeling of, it's automatic. If the baby's placed on your chest and you don't feel a connection, that's a sign. Otherwise, you're good here. So I had thought I was in the clear. And yes, that is the experience for some, but it's not the experience for everyone. And I also just think it's so important to share Every experience within conception, pregnancy, postpartum, I was just having this conversation with a few of my friends because everyone's journey is so wildly different from conception to postpartum. And the more that we can openly share about the hardships and the highs, I just think more women or birthing people will feel seen by their experiences and less alone and less terrified that something is really really wrong and that no one else is experiencing this. And it's been interesting having all of this in my back pocket with this second pregnancy because there hasn't really been any anxiety with this pregnancy, but it's been very depressive unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, so okay. you know, it hit me on the other side. And I know I've talked to you about this. It it just really impacts my mental health in a negative way. And not everyone experiences this at all. And I wish everyone a pregnancy where all they feel are wonderful things, but that unfortunately isn't the reality for many of us. So for me, I share all of this to remind people that they're not alone and to just give my perspective of what I've experienced and what helps and what doesn't help and how I'm navigating it.
1: super important to share everything that you shared because...
2: People do have a,
1: you know, smoke and mirrors approach to a pregnant person and what their life is like, and it's all good and great. But depression does not give a fuck. It will show up when it wants to show up. Right? And this is why we have this shit's hard. We bonded. We really bonded over our depression.
2: (laughs) Yes. It doesn't discriminate. I'll tell you that much.
1: No, no, it doesn't discriminate. Person, identity, place, time, space. Uh, that's why we see, you know, the Robin Williams of the world who have it all,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and they die by suicide. Like it's a, you know, it's a real thing that's there. So I applaud you for being transparent and sharing your journey, being your true authentic self, putting it out there, still showing up when you don't want to. I appreciate you being here.
2: I'm also depressed right now, so we are depressed together. Yeah, I haven't slept in like a week. This pregnancy insomnia is kicking my ass, and it's just adding to all of it. But I had therapy this morning, so I'm feeling slightly better. I have
1: therapy this afternoon, so that is going to... Oh, we're Thursday girlies. Well, I'm actually Friday girly, but this girly is on a DC flight tonight, which ruins my whole life tomorrow. So, I mean, it's wonderful. DC will be great, but my normal slot. Yes. (laughs)
3: healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too.
1: And this week, we in the past week, we've been seeing the the aftermath of the Kiki Palmer situation. So, for the listeners who may not know, Kiki Palmer is awesome. Kiki Palmer is really important to me because she's the star of the movie that changed my life, "Aquila and the Bee." So, funny story: I was uh, running whatever is running at that time, and my assistant came in. It was a Monday. She was like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, what's up? She was like, I need you to sit down. And I was like, oh my, oh my, are you okay? So I was at the movies this weekend and I saw a preview for a movie that's called "Aquila and the Bee. And I was like, shut the fuck up. That's not real. We don't have time for that. This is Monday. We have shit to do. And she was like, "Aquila, no, I'm not kidding. And then I Googled it and "Aquila and the Bee was coming out. And I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do now. <laughs> this is like... <laughs> I'm this famous is life changing um and I just love that my sister at the time knew how much of a deal that would be to me. I was initially very upset. I'm like, "No. I don't, I liked having my name and people didn't like know it and I had to help them figure it out." I don't know, it was a weird a weird thing. So the movie came out, I refused to see it. <laughs> my mom was like, "You have to watch the movie. You have to watch the movie." And so Sat down one day, and this is a while ago, so I probably got it on like Redbox or something. Whatever the movie came out, and I really enjoyed the movie. I was like, "Oh, I haven't movie. seen it,
2: but now I will."
1: I thought it was cute, but here's the reason why I decided I loved the movie. One day, your girl was going to meet friends downtown for drinks. It was a little late, and I was driving fast, and I got pulled over. And the officer pulled me over and he was like, you were speeding. And I was like, didn't necessarily say anything. License registration, gave him my license. And he looked at me and he was like, oh, a white cop, by the way. This is fascinating. Is your name Akilah? Like Akilah and the bee? And I was like, yes. And he was like, okay, well, just slow down. Stop. And I was like, do you want me to spell something for you? And he's like, (laughs) no, no, (laughs) just slow down. Love the movie after that.
2: Loved it. I Loved mean, it. Yeah. Of course.
1: And then that it's more people, a shocking story. It actually is. And that was my love story <laughs> to kill to me. But then people were able to pronounce my name because it's the movie spelled phonetically. And so yeah. I get less akalas or just silence. And so yeah. But my nickname is also Kiki, but K I K I.
2: I've never heard anyone call you that. It's also
1: my coffee name when I just don't have it in me. Yeah, that's fair to help them spell it. So Kiki Palmer did something egregious, which was go to see Usher in Las Vegas with her friends <laughs> and have a girls night. <laughs> and Usher came down and sang a little song to her. And she sang a little bit. Kiki is has a wonderful voice too. And uh, she's wearing a sheer outfit with a bodysuit underneath. And it was a bit of a thong in the back and she was like dancing and turned around and then that clip went viral her husband Darius Jackson are they married oh sorry no he's giving off husband vibes that's what was coming off Boyf- okay. partner? boyfriend 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 partner something partner father of the child fair okay um he went to twitter and he said it's the outfit though you a mom I,
2: first of all, why the fuck is this news? I, like, I get why it's news, but like, what, don't we have more important things happening in the world that like news outlets are covering this? I just, she wore an outfit. Who the fuck cares? I don't understand. The main takeaway for me is like, why the hell are you going to Twitter with these things with about your partner? I think it's outrageous that like he's going to try and control what she's wearing and all of those things. I have a lot of opinions on that. And just because she's a mom, she can't wear certain things. I hate that narrative. But also, why are you bringing this shit to a public forum?
1: Why? That could have been a text to her.
2: Shouldn't even be a thought. But sure, it can be a text to her. We don't all need to see it.
1: But the thing is that Darius doubled down with a Mm -hmm. second tweet where he said, quote, We live in a generation where a man of the family doesn't want the wife and mother of his kids to showcase booty cheeks to please others, and he gets told how much of a hater he is. This is my family and my representation. I have standards and morals to what I believe. I rest my case. Like he said something profound.
2: I I really can't. I really can't. I... We'll never understand the, like, publicity of all of this, of choosing a public forum t- to do this matter. However, also, like, do we live in that generation? I feel we live in a generation that hopefully, I know you're giving me sad eyes, like, yes, we do. But she should be able to wear whatever the hell she wants. Let's, let's just pivot
1: to Rihanna. Uh, it's yeah. Rihanna, everyone. It's not Rihanna. It's Rihanna. Teaching, teaching moment. And I would know it's Rihanna. it's Rihanna. Rihanna is stunning all the time. But her pregnancy outfits. Goddess,
2: goddess. Love
1: it. Mini skirt, stomach out, titties out, whatever. Fantastic. I wish,
2: I wish I felt like her pregnant or the energy she gives off. She the- just. She thrives and the styling, from what I'm getting.
1: The styling team yes. is also part of it too, uh, because the body is changing and there's a lot that's in there. But in the case for Kiki Palmer, she is a first time mom. She is looking fantastic. She's having a girls' night. She's celebrating herself and living her best life. Now, the two apparently no longer follow each other on social media. But this week, The Cut put beautiful Kiki Palmer on the cover. And she says in this article, after having my baby, I've just gotten so much more powerful. I'm just so strengthened in crazy ways, strutting my stuff, enjoying. She has found this power and is tapping into it from a transformative process. Whether people decide to be pregnant or not, There's transformation that happens. Pros, Mm -hmm. cons, good, bad, up, downs, acceptance, rejection. (laughs) There's so much that happens as a result of that. Kiki went on to say, I'll be honest. I think before I even had the baby, I was really actually quite self-conscious in a way that you would expect considering the kind of work that I do as a public figure, always trying to be on point with my body and always trying to make sure I'm taking care of this and that. There's a lot of physical attention. Cam, I would love your thoughts of a mom of that very statement.
2: I completely resonate with what she's saying, where I struggled with my own shit body-wise, orthorexic thoughts around food and exercise and all this stuff. But there was nothing, nothing more empowering than giving birth or just having a baby, whether it's vaginally or C-section, because you literally created a human. And for me, I tapped into a whole new level of confidence around myself as a mom or just as a human after becoming a mom. I think twofold because A, everything that changed in my body, whether – I preferred it or not because there were some things that I was like, oh, I kind of like this. And then there were some things that I was like, oh, I, I miss the old. But whether I liked it or not, I'm like, yeah, it changed because I created life. Like I grew a spine and eyelashes and ears. Like it's superhuman alien shit is what I call it to my friends. It really is. And I don't think we give it enough credit or just awe. It's quite profound. It's so profound. So I felt the same way physically in that sense. And then the second part of that being there is now this human that so heavily relies on you and loves you so much and gives you so much purpose that for me made me feel so confident in aspects of my life that I had questioned before because it also puts everything in perspective where the things I used to worry about and beat myself up over and have all of this time to waste brain space and energy on it. You just don't have the time anymore. And also, it doesn't matter. Because you're like, well, who the fuck cares? He knows I love him. He knows I'm here for him. I'm doing my best for him. And that's all that matters. So I fully agree with her words. Well said.
1: Beautiful plus one. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with uh, the moms this week. But there's also... People are taking issue with Gabrielle Union being too old to wear a thong. The news cycle. In particular, it's like Black mothers. Mm -hmm. There's so much that's happening there, mothers in general, but like Black mothers. So
2: Black women are criticized the most. No,
1: no, these are lies. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that is uh, Doctor Kadea agrees. Uh, we are heavily criticized all that unrealistic standards. Regards, we are stereotyped. We want the people want us to be the Jezebel, so super sexy. God forbid you have an opinion. You're angry. Don't be smart or a mammy, a caretaker stereotype. Going back into. The enslavement of my ancestors. So fun. Um, But Gabrielle Union is the star of the Netflix film The Perfect Find and BET Plus' series Gabrielle Union My Journey to 50. So last month, she wore this beautiful outfit. Sheer, there was some, it's giving some shoulder, there was levels to it. And it had a very cute, like, thong situation in the back. And um, someone had something to say about it. So um, when she was interviewed on Who Would Wear with Hillary Kerr and her podcast, Gabrielle was sharing that somebody said, you're old enough to be somebody's grandma. Why are you still in like wearing swimsuits? Gabrielle continued by saying, I'm like, first of all, (laughs) they're not just swimsuits they are thongs. And you're going to see these cheeks until my ass literally falls off. And I might just wear a bikini in the casket. She added, I don't know, that just might be for you. For that one commenter. This is for you, bitch. I love that. This is for you, bitch.
2: (laughs) I love that. I might just wear a bikini in the casket. (laughs) I'm just gonna be like, it's me
1: and a thog. Like, ask somebody. I mean, this is for you, bitch. I, I,
2: my philosophy in life
1: is to do you.
2: What are your thoughts? Why the fuck do people care? Okay. So, A, I think that there is this societal narrative that once you become a mom, you have to fit a very certain mold. You can't do things you have to now behave a certain way. God forbid you curse. There's just such this stigma around- What the
1: fuck? What do you mean?
2: (laughs) No, seriously, (laughs) like in my DMs, when I get trolled, it's around my personal being not fitting with their standards of what a mom should be doing. So- you curse too much to have around your kid. You shouldn't be saying all of that kind of stuff. Someone left a like review of like moms who do mushrooms absolutely not. As if like I I what? now have to fit their entire stereotype and box of who I need to be for them now that I'm a mom. Where I have never seen this policing of dads ever. No, cuz we need to celebrate dads.
1: When they pick their kid up from school. <laughs> their fucking minimum.
2: Okay. Now I have to be completely honest and I will put my shit out there and troll myself. When this all came out, I sent this clip to my mom and I said, I'm sorry for telling you to stop wearing string bikinis because I have said that to my mom who I love with all of my fucking heart. And... This is a conversation we have had where I'm like, mom, why don't you lean into your age more? And like, it's 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 way, way more deep rooted for the two of us than just this one thing. But I have said that. And so I sent it to her and I said, I'm sorry for trying to police you. And she was like, you know what? I saw this and thought of you and was going to send it to you. And then I decided I didn't need to pick a fight. So I appreciate you coming to me with this. So like- I've even caught myself doing this because we're so fucking trained to police others. We absolutely are.
1: But can we just have a moment of celebration for your accountability?
2: Oh, uh, well, you know, there's one thing I do think I'm good at is admitting when I fuck up and being like, oh wow, that that was not a good look on my end.
1: No, but I mean it's very powerful to learn from these exact moments. And mm-hmm. that's why we talk about these things on this episode. One one part of being a soft black woman is, is holding yourself accountable and how you're showing up. And you're like, wait a minute, I did this exact thing to my mother who is confident to wear, like I i am not wearing a string bikini right now. Maybe when I'm 45, 50, I'm gonna want to wear a string bikini. I don't know what's coming for me, but I will show these titties in this house. I have no problem Hell doing them. yeah! It will go out into the world.
2: <laughs> As it should. I actually opened the door today. You saw what I was wearing before I had the sweatshirt on. I'm in a gray tank top with no bra that has now just come up to above my belly. So it looks like a bra. Even my son was like, you need a shirt. Like we were getting dressed and he's like, okay, mommy, now your shirt. And I was like, honey, this is a shirt. I'm just so pregnant. It looks like a bra and sweatpants below the bump. So everything is out. And we had someone coming over this morning to fix our AC. And I'm like playing with our son. Our doorbell rings. I open the door. I'm like, hey, all right, we can go upstairs. And I look at myself and I'm like, whatever. This is what they're getting. Come on in.
3: (laughs) I got some IRL Rihanna.
2: You know, I was. box out.
3: homechefcom feverdream for eighteen free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. HomeChef.com/slash/feverdream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
1: Now it's time for our next segment. We're calling this one twice as hard. While BIPOC Black Indigenous People of Color often have to work twice as hard to get half as far, this segment will highlight a conversation of our eye-opening woman of color BIPOC person. And culture politics. This week, it's all about Shakari Richardson. If you don't know, Shakari is everything. She is someone who has gone through a lot in the past year. You may remember her as the person who, the track star who uh, was banned from the Summer Olympics. She was using marijuana (gasps) to cope with deaths that she had in her family. Uh, and She wasn't able to go. That still irks me for so many levels because marijuana is not a performance-enhancing drug. If anything, marijuana makes you a little bit more chill, perhaps more slower. <laughs> you may be more slow, right, running. Um, and Shakari's is doing like hundreds and stuff like that. So needs to be quick. So this week, she was in um, the Nationals. And spoiler alert, she won. Uh, the US National uh, Championship. But before she was getting into position to run, she had on her wig, and Shikari is known for her wigs, different colors. She's giving us extra, she's giving us vibes. She's giving us, you're gonna see all of this blackness, which I'm really into. But before the start of the race, she took off her wig to reveal some beautiful braids and won the race. So I'm sharing this in the, the twice as hard segment because Shikari has to wait, was it two years? So she's in position now to hopefully go to the Summer Olympics and has to do additional work. There was a ice skater with the Winter Olympics who actually tested positive for performing enhancing drugs, but they let her compete because she's a white woman and she was young and she works so hard, so hard. We can't ruin the flow. Right. So, but in this case, Shikari Witcherson being a black woman didn't get the same thing. So she's currently working twice as hard to get to where she could have been two years ago in our pandemic Olympic season when we had two <laughs> Olympics. Everyone's like, you're at home. Let's watch this. And it's not fair. So how, how do you feel about this? We have this tremendous athlete, marijuana. You talk publicly about the joys of the weed.
2: Yeah, I love me some cannabis. <laughs> but so. Twofold. With her removing her wig prior to the running, I'm going to take a backseat on that conversation and let you share your opinion on that because that's just something I'll never relate to from a personal experience of how important and pivotal the relationship for a Black woman is with her hair. So I can't speak to any of that.
1: I really love you saying that. For white women who are listening, Cameron just role modeled, wonderful way (laughs) to still be part of the conversation and acknowledge possible limitations. And you now may be wondering, well, what does it mean to take off a wig? A wig is hot. Okay. A wig is hot. (laughs) Not that it's not impossible, but it's kind of like a freedom experience. I'm going to fill this 21.6 seconds or whatever it was on my scalp through my head it's just one of those things where it's like you know me as this but you can also know me as this too um by taking the wig off so the wig was uh reddish and then she had blondish brown braids um and so thank you for that but what's the second thing
2: of course i i mean i've never had a wig on my head other than like a bachelorette party. And Mm. so I have nothing to... Which for the record is hard if you are I mean, I hated it. I took it off after 20 minutes. So (laughs) I have no ground to stand on in that conversation. The second part is I remember when this all happened, I, I guess two years ago, you said, I forget the exact timing, but I think this sparks even more of a deep and serious conversation around cannabis in general when it comes to The legalization and who's profiting off of the industry now versus who is imprisoned off of the industry years prior, which I know is something I think we've talked about before. It's something I talk Mm -hmm. about a lot. And Mm -hmm. there are charities that I have been involved in from a financial perspective, trying to not even rectify because you can't, but assist with the people who are currently imprisoned for now legal cannabis charges. And so for me it sparked a lot of that of just like how are we punishing for things that are legal in many states now and specifically white men are profiting off of. And yes, there is the argument which I I, I don't think can be ignored is that technically is cannabis listed as one of the drugs that they're not supposed to be taking as professional athletes? I assume it's not it has a
1: performance to be. enhancing drugs. That's okay. that's where well, then it goes mind. to, like the some committee or commission of the Olympics and they're voting that determines, on it? yeah.
2: Because like I do think there is one side of the argument that's like, okay, well, if this is on a list of something they're not supposed to be taking, and they're signing up to be, do this. Then, like, it's a rule, it's a rule. However, this one, there was clearly some mucky gray area. Race plays a role, whether people admit it or not. And I think it's what we said earlier, as a Black woman, I mean, I can't speak as a Black woman, but I, from the outside, appears that they're the most undervalued people but the most critical, as we see in many of our elections. So I'm just, again, it's like, it's the policing of women. Yeah, I mean, I think around the same time for the Summer Olympics,
1: I think it was Megan Rapone who was doing the, talking about her CBD, cannabis something, something or another. But again, coming from a white woman's perspective, it's like, oh my God, this is great. This is healing. There's benefits Mm -hmm. from it. So we have these standards of, like I'm in California, so you can do whatever you want here <laughs> when it comes to cannabis, marijuana, what I, I do. And I use it because I live in chronic pain, um, chronic pain because of my health stuff, my disability. And it's like one of my 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 best friends. But the way it is continually policed and it's picking and choosing who will be policed as a result of that mm-hmm. is infuriating. So one thing that we're seeing in in states that are legalizing um, marijuana is that we still have people in prison for selling the same thing that primarily affluent of any background um, or white people are selling legally. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's a whole other like twice as hard.
2: And I do think just because I said that, I want to shout out Last Prisoner Project. That's the organization i mentioned yeah who is doing work in this space they're great yeah yeah and which is important we need that but there's Mm
1: -hmm. still this double standard and it's still like a twice as hard scenario so definitely for those who are you know slowly california is working on getting folks they've been on that process shout out to um governor newsom to get people out of um you know prisons and jails for any type of marijuana use There's ways in which we're seeing counties who are making sure that um, having a former record or working towards getting expunged or whatever needs to happen, they can still apply for um, a legal license to to sell. I mean, there's the way that white supremacy works sometimes is so exhausting. So exhausting, but congrats to Shikari for showing up. I really hope the journey to the Olympics will be everything she deserves and more and friendly reminder that as A lot of people were championing and celebrating her with all that Olympic stuff. We still need that same type of energy for this journey in which she's on and how much work twice as hard that she has to do just to get back to that Olympic level.
0: When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet.
1: Let's move on to one of my favorite segments on the show, Sounds About White. Uh, it's a part of the show where we highlight a news story featuring the latest in white privilege. And this week, we are talking about none other than Trump. 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 Oh. Yeah. Moment of silence.
2: I just wish he was no longer in headlines. Yeah. I mean, I think...
1: That, oh man, it would, the the way we'd wake up in the morning would be softer. Mm -hmm. We would move about the world in a way where we didn't have these moments that I have to share, which is former President Trump asked a judge to delay setting the trial date for his classified documents case, citing the extraordinary nature of prosecution that could happen in effect his 2024 presidential race.
2: It terrifies me (laughs) that, like it really terrifies me that he is able to run again and not to be pessimistic that I think he has a serious chance.
1: Warren thought he wasn't going to win the first time and then he did. Mm -hmm. And then the second time he ran... In particular, more white women voted for him the second time around. And what's interesting about that is we had kids in cages, um, birthing people, women were losing their rights, uh, Charlottesville, pandemic. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no, you know what? you know what? Pandemic you know what? that wasn't
2: real. Yeah, it
1: wasn't, pandemic wasn't real. But it's like, oh, yeah, we, he's still our president. There's people out there that say he is still our president. Now... Some of you may not know this, but he is the first president, the first president to face federal charges. He's also the first to be impeached twice. He's also the first to inside a coup. I mean, the January insurrection, January 6th.
2: I, I was actually, I vividly remember I was in therapy, speaking of therapy, when this happened and I got like, it was COVID time. So it was remote and we were on my phone. And I get this New York Times, like, breaking news. Um, people storm the Capitol. And I'm like, I said to my therapist, what is going on? And she's like, I don't know. But I can't imagine this will turn into anything legit, right? Like security. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The next day we texted and we were like, well, we were wrong. It was a day. It was a moment in
1: time. Well, the, the thing here that I find quite fascinating is that Trump's attorneys are saying like the sheer volume of materials, it's just going to take so much time to review and um, that they're going to need more time to do it and it'll affect his you know, presidency, blah, blah, blah.
2: Well, shouldn't it affect his presidency? That part. And we're literally talking about... What is it? What?
1: Yeah. We're talking about those classified materials that were in the bathroom and the ballroom <laughs> at Mar-a-Lago. I also didn't know that his valet... Or since I'm French valet, is also part of this indictment. I, I miss that I part. Didn't either, yeah, yeah, you know, just casual documents of secrets about defense and you know weapons, the U.S. government stuff about the allies.
2: I mean, I would think that it's wildly important for this to impact the campaign and the presidency. And also, if it gets pushed, and he, God forbid, gets elected, he can pardon himself. Can he not? Uh, like can you? I think you can. Well, we haven't again,
1: he's the first first president in the situation, so I don't know. So here's the fun thing. The special counsel wants this to go to trial in December. But ultimately the decision will be up to US district judge Aileen Cannon, who was appointed to the bench by <laughs> Wait for It motherfucking Trump. It's
2: just not surprising
1: anymore. So to close out the show, I want to highlight someone who's out here being a soft black woman. And this week's soft black woman is, I'm going to bring it back, Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer. So in this cut article that I mentioned earlier, which I highly recommend you just look at the pictures. The pictures are beautiful, but also read. Reading is fundamental. She said, That is the whole aura of what's happening with me in this boss era as I come into my 30s and I have my baby boy. I'm just continuing to spread my wings as a young woman. My headspace is just to continue to inspire and encourage myself and anybody else who wants to go down that road with me. Because we're growing and we're changing, it's all about loving who I am and loving what I experienced and what I've gone through that's gotten me here and that's a lot of gratitude for me. And I think that is just a wonderful soft statement going back to what you said earlier of that transformation that Mm -hmm. happens regardless if you want it or not when you've birthed an entire being (laughs) out of your body. So Cam, how will you bring softness into this week?
2: I'm trying to lean more into rest, which is hard for me. I am a very go, go, go person who constantly wants to be stimulated and working. There's a lot to unpack there that we do. I know we've had these conversations, but um, this pregnancy physically has just been harder. And I've been trying to figure out with my husband, we talk about this a lot. Is it that the pregnancy is harder? Just... Comparatively, or is it that now I'm pregnant with a toddler and that's just mm. a completely different journey? So historically, I love to overbook myself and then crash and I'm in the bit of the crashing phase. So when I have the time and means to, I'm trying to be horizontal more. What about you? <sighs> I was We were, we're going to skip over that for me. I... <laughs> I think i want to organize a closet. I love that. That makes me really happy when I do that. Yeah. I think I,
1: I, if anyone knows, I love my clothes. I model when I can. I'm a stylist when I can be. But I would like to know what clothes I have and I, I need mm-hmm. to reorganize. I am actually going to do something this weekend that I haven't been able to do for years, which is actually get rid of my heels. So, Good for you. Thank you. It's kind of sad because I I love my heels, but due to my disability and particularly my joints and my my spine, I can only do a bitch ass heel, a kitten heel. I will rock it. People and judge. I don't care. I just get a little bit of lift and it makes me feel like I'm doing something, (laughs) but I'm going to do that. I'm literally going to free up some emotional space, Mm -hmm. physical space, but some emotional space because for next month, I'll be disabled for six years and I'm was always hoping I'm like, oh, this is temporary, this is temporary, this is temporary, but it's not. It's progressive. And so that is what I'm going to do as a way of acceptance of this body That good I'm, for you. Thank you. And thank you for asking. Well, that's it for today's episode. But before we sign off, how can people find you?
2: On social Instagram and TikTok and Threads. On all of those platforms, it's Cameron Oaks Rogers. And then my podcast, which Dr. Kate has been on a while back, is Freckled Foodie and Friends. And I release a new episode every Wednesday.
1: So does that mean I'm coming back? Of course. Yay. Well, thank you for being here, Cam. For the listeners out there, be sure to join Soft Black Woman Club by leaving us a rating and review on Apple and Spotify and follow the Betcha Up podcast wherever you're listening. We'll have new episodes of Soft Black Woman every single Friday. And be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss out on the next episode. You can follow me at Cadet, changecadet, C-H-A-N-G-E-C-A-D-E-T, and follow... At Betches underscore sup on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keeping amazing. Soft Black Woman is produced by Amanda Duberman, Rebecca Salzmacat, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Rebecca Salzmacat. Guest booking by ali Friedlander. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and send us your emails on suppod at betches.com.
2: Betches.